Hey guys, welcome to the very first episode of the Embrace the Blessing podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Thank you for tuning in. I wanted to use this first episode as an opportunity to introduce myself and tell you a little bit about our family. Also to share a little background about why this podcast was created. So my name is Sandy Depish, and my husband Rick and I have been married for 34 years. 34 years. I just can't even believe it when I say that because in my head, I'm still 27. I don't understand how it's possible as a 27-year-old to be married for 34 years, but there it is. It's reality. So we have five children that are now all adults, and our oldest one is just four weeks away from having her first baby, our first grandchild, and I am ecstatic. I am so excited for this next chapter of our lives. So if you are a seasoned grandparent, you need to share some of your very best grandparenting tips with me so that I can be ready. I'm a former kindergarten teacher, and quite honestly, I think that was the very best, is the very best job in the entire world. So much fun working with five-year-olds. I absolutely adored being a kindergarten teacher. Currently, I work with high school students with intellectual and developmental disabilities, which is interesting because I said for many years I would never touch high school with a 10-foot pole. But guess what? I love these guys. It is so much fun. We work on self-advocacy skills, helping them to learn that they have a voice to make a choice about their future, and helping them prepare for the world of work when they're done with schooling, and also prepare for what they want their future to look like. So now let me back up and tell you a little bit about the earlier years. When I was just about to turn 42 years old, our youngest son, Josiah, was born, and his siblings at the time were... 11, 9, 4, and 19 months old. When I was four months pregnant with Josiah, we learned that he had Down syndrome. We had an ultrasound that showed four markers for Down syndrome, and then shortly after an amniocentesis, which confirmed it. And even before the call came in, saying definitively, yes, this child is going to have Down syndrome, I just knew in my heart that he did. And the weird thing is, I was okay with it. I don't know how to describe it because I've talked to a number of moms who all had different experiences and everybody's emotions are valid. What you feel is what you feel. Maybe it's because I had four typically developing kids, but my attitude was kind of like this was going to be an adventure and it was going to be an exciting challenge. Josiah would have four typically developing siblings who would surround him with lots of attention and they would show him the ropes and His development might be a little bit slower than theirs was. He would have a few extra hurdles to jump over, but how hard could it possibly be? So I went into this with enthusiasm and excitement, anticipating the best. And I'm so grateful that life comes at us one day at a time, because I'm not sure I would have been able to remain as optimistic as I felt had I seen the big picture. Josiah was born with a large cataract that covered his left eye completely. And so that needed to be removed immediately. But before that could even be scheduled, everyone in our family got sick. So right after he was born, 
Some of us got colds. And if you know anything about big families, when some people get colds or get sick, the whole family ends up getting sick. And that's exactly what happened, including two-week-old Josiah. So he ended up being hospitalized for dehydration and stayed there for three days. When we brought him home, after two days, we had to go right back to the hospital because now he contracted RSV. This time, his hospital stay was three weeks long, and towards the end of it, his 19-month-old sister joined him because she was also dehydrated and had some other health issues going on. So that was the beginning of many, many, many hospital stays. In Josiah's first three years of life, he was hospitalized 17 times. I used to joke with our kids that some families get to go to Disney World, and our family gets to go to Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. (laughs) Actually, we loved that hospital. It was amazing. And fortunately, the kids were homeschooled at the time, so it wasn't a huge disruption to our lives to have to drop everything to temporarily move into a hospital when we needed to. So Josiah's cataract surgery was postponed until he was nine weeks old, and between birth and nine weeks of age, he was patched. Both of his eyes were covered with a soft cloth patch to prevent the good eye from doing all the work and the bad eye from atrophying. You know, when I look back on it now, those first few years were really just a blur. There were so many doctor's appointments, so many specialist appointments, therapists coming in and out of our house as if we had a revolving door. And at the time, even though it felt like they were very challenging times, it was nothing compared to the adventure that was in front of us. And I can honestly say that it is only by the grace of God and our strong faith that we made it through any of it. I'm so grateful that at that time, we lived near family, and we had an incredible church and amazing friends, and we were surrounded with a lot of support, which was extremely helpful. I don't know how you get by without family and friends and faith. For me, they were lifelines, and I am eternally grateful for everybody who poured into us when we were barely surviving. So let me add this to the story to help you get a better perspective of how things were shifting. From an early age, Rick and I noticed that Josiah seemed a little bit different than other children who had Down syndrome. I noticed as an infant that he didn't really look into our eyes after his surgery and after his vision was better. We just didn't see him looking at us. It was almost as if he was looking through us. I remember wiggling my fingers in front of his face to try to get a reaction, and there was none. He would stare at lights. He would stare at ceiling fans. I remember one of his therapists describing him as having a flat affect, and it just seemed pretty apparent to us that something more was going on. So we started questioning Josiah's pediatrician and his therapist, and we talked to some specialists, and we asked everybody, is there something more here? And everyone said, no. We were thinking autism, and they were saying, there's no way Josiah has autism. He would never let us get this close to him. He would never be as affectionate as he is. He would never want to snuggle and cuddle like he does. So clearly, 
everybody was telling us no. And even though our gut was telling us something different, we wanted to believe them. And so for a little while, I think we just let that go. We moved to Texas right before Josiah turned four. And he was enrolled in a preschool program for children with developmental disabilities. I think it was there that we started to see a big difference between his abilities and the abilities of some other students in his class. He was a sweet, easygoing little guy, but he was incredibly hyper and he required no sleep at night. Literally three to four hours of sleep is all he needed and he was good to go. And I remember on the days when he would go two or three nights with very little sleep, he would do incredibly well at school. And on the nights when he had a really great night of sleep, the next day at school would be a mess. For us, trying to adjust to nights with little to no sleep and then days very full of activity with four other kids was nearly impossible. I remember around this time doing a lot of research online to try to understand how we could best survive this hyperactivity. And I remember finding a group of parents who were sharing about their children that were sweet and precious when they were three and four and five years old. And around age six or seven, they started changing drastically. Their behaviors became more erratic. They started to be self-injurious and aggressive. And in some cases, they destroyed the homes, ripping up furniture, breaking lamps, knocking over tables, pretty much wreaking havoc on the household. I read those articles in shock and disbelief and thought, oh my gosh, these poor families, how could they survive something like this? I can't imagine what their lives must be like. And thank you, Jesus, that that is not our life and that our sweet boy would never behave in such a way. Oh my, I was so naive. It was around age five that we started to see some behaviors that were concerning. And the next three years were extremely difficult and some of the darkest days we walked through. When Josiah was eight, we enrolled him in a residential training treatment center an hour away from our home. And it's still very difficult for me to talk about because for the next 10 months, Josiah lived away from his family and from everyone he knew and loved who knew and loved him best. We did it with his best interest at heart because he needed some support. We needed a break. Our family was breaking and we needed to mend. And at the time, it seemed like it was our only option. We went into it knowing it was a six-week program That turned into a three-month program and then a six-month program and ultimately ended after 10 months. And during that time, Josiah seemed to thrive. There were nightly calls, which was really interesting because for a non-speaking child to make a call home to his family once a night uh, was interesting. But we would sing to him and tell him Bible stories and tell him how much we loved him and missed him. And then we had weekend visits with him. Sometimes we would go to the center. Sometimes he was able to come home for the weekend. And we just knew that at discharge, our little guy was going to come home and things would be better again. Okay, so I just realized that I forgot to mention around 
five years of age, Josiah did receive a diagnosis of autism. Actually, at the time, it was called PDD-NOS, Pervasive Developmental Disorder, not otherwise specified. We were told that our son is an enigma, and that even though many people thought at the time that Down syndrome and autism could not coexist, that is definitely what was happening with Josiah. When he came home from the treatment center, things were better for a while. I think if we had had support for Josiah at that point to help maintain some of the benefits that he reaped from that program, it would have been ideal. But the reality is he came back into a very big family, a very busy family, and life kind of reverted back to what it had been prior to his admission. By the age of 10, he was still not toilet trained. He was non-speaking with no functional form of communication. Although we tried many different things, nothing really stuck, nothing really clicked. And so I'm sure there was a lot of frustration around not having a voice to be able to communicate his wants and needs and feelings. And also Josiah at that time needed assistance with pretty much everything. Rick and I were basically tag team parents, oftentimes meeting in parking lots so that he could take some of the kids and I could take other kids and either one of us would head home while the other went to an event or vice versa. One of us stayed home with Josiah while the other took the children to church. It was just a different way of living and we had to learn to adapt. You know, you do what you have to do. You rise to the occasion. It wasn't easy I'm sure there was a lot of sacrifices on the part of our other children, knowing that one or both of their parents couldn't be in attendance at special events because we were wrapped up in the care of Josiah. None of us were getting much sleep since Josiah didn't need sleep. There were times I remember driving him around at 11 o'clock at night just so he could calm down and hopefully relax enough to be able to fall asleep and so that the rest of the family could have some peace and quiet and be able to get a good night's sleep. And it was around this time that puberty hit. And I am here to tell you that is a whole nother ball game. School at this point became extremely difficult. We often were getting calls in the middle of the day to come and pick up Josiah due to aggressive and self-injurious and destructive behaviors, he could no longer stay in the classroom. That continued for a few months until we finally decided it might be time to rethink public school. We had homeschooled in the past, so we made the decision to pull Josiah out of school and keep him at home. I think for us and for Josiah, that was probably a really great decision. He seemed less agitated and a little more settled at home although behaviors were still an increasing challenge for us to try to figure out. Ultimately, after many years of reflection, there's two things that I can pinpoint that may have been the cause of most of his frustration. One, obviously, is the lack of communication. I can't even imagine what it might be like to have a body that betrays you so that you have thoughts and feelings and emotions and dreams and desires like everybody else, but no way to express them. That's got to be very difficult. And the second is GI issues. 
Unfortunately, GI issues are something that Josiah has dealt with for a very long time, and we've been vigilant with interventions to try to remedy the situation. And I think finally, after many, many years, we're in a really good place with a regimen that really works for him. I also need to mention that at the age of 11, Josiah received a waiver through the state of Texas, which is unheard of to get a waiver at that age. It was a godsend. It was a blessing straight from heaven. And without it, I don't know that we would have survived. What it meant for us and for Josiah is that we could hire caregivers to come in our home and give him the time and attention and the dedication that he needed. They love him like he's their own, and they take such incredibly great care of him. I truly don't know where we would be without them. The last few years have been the most challenging that we've had to walk through. At one point, for three years, Josiah lived in a padded softball helmet with a face mask. He slept in it. He showered in it. He lived in it 24-7. And that was to protect him from himself. There were lots of times then and still today where we have to protect ourselves from him and help him navigate through difficult, painful times that we don't always understand. And through it all, I just have to trust that God has the plan. He has a purpose in all of this, and he's going to work it all out. What gives me great peace and comfort is knowing that God is in control, and I am not. I don't have to have all the answers because when I need them, they will be given to me. I firmly believe that. And so that brings me to today. I started this podcast because I wanted other parents to know that they are not alone. No matter what you're going through, undoubtedly somebody else already has. And it's so comforting to hear their stories, to know that others have walked this path before you, and maybe they have some wisdom and insight or a helpful tip or hint that can make your path just a little bit easier. If we can help in any way, I think that's what we need to do. We need to connect with one another and encourage and support each other. So that's the plan. That's what we're going to do. We're going to meet here every Wednesday and hear from moms and dads just like us who are walking a similar path and can shed some light on what their experience has been like and offer us some hope and encouragement. You guys, we're all in this together. We're here to support one another. And if we keep the right perspective and laugh along the way, together we truly can embrace the blessing. <laughs>